Welcome to the second season of You Can't Kill Me, every Slipknot song one by one. We are Chris Lee and Dave Musson, and we're here today to talk about our favourite Slipknot song, Everything Ends. Hello, Dave. Hello, Chris. How are you? Very well, thank you. Back in the studio. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. And we're going to do nine this season as well, because, you know, Slipknot. Slipknot, yeah. We'll, we'll get into it soon. The idea that we're pushing here is pretty simple. In every episode, we select one Slipknot song and put it under the microscope. We alternate our choices. You do one, I do one. And this time the choice is mine. But before we get into it, we should acknowledge that on the day that we put our first season out into the world, Slipknot released a new album. Yes. Which we've had time to digest. We Are Not Your Kind was my album of the year for 2019. And it was my number two. Yeah, and I, I, that doesn't really scratch the surface for the extraordinary achievement. I think that the band has pulled off with this record. Yeah. I did not see that coming. I thought it would be good. I didn't expect it to be that good. Where they find that level of fire from at their age is just remarkable. So I I probably, similar to you, up to a point, which we'll discuss in our next episode, actually, there was a, there was a point where I suddenly had faith that that sort of thing not only might happen, but was probably going to happen. Even so, when I heard it, it's a good job I was sitting down. It was like fitting that we're talking about a song that's on Iowa in this episode. Like I've not felt like that about a Slipknot album since I heard Iowa for the first time. Mm. And I think I talked about this in the last season, but Iowa came out when I was on holiday. My friend said, it's so good. You'll need to lie down. You need and to then, come home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But you, you'll want to lie down and then you want to push play again. And even even volume three, which is probably my favorite album. That was a very different listening experience because of where they went with it. But Slipknot as a, a thing of all of those personalities, the ages that those guys are at, everything they've been through, they have no right to sound that fired up and no. hyper. And yet, wow. It's the big difference, I think, between We Are Not Your Kind and 0.5 The Grey Chapter is intensity. And I like that, I think, more than most people do, that previous record. But the jump up in just furious rage is huge. And I know that, obviously, the fifth record has its own story and its own reasons to be the way it is. And I, God knows I love it for that. But they sound pissed off. Yeah. And yet... The craft is superb as well. Yeah. It's the Faith No More thing, isn't it? It's mm. in terms of the band aging and not only like protecting what they'd done before and not doing anything to tarnish their name, they're building on it, they're improving it. And, you know, we sit here recording this at the start of the year when we're going to get a knot fest in the UK. Mm. And that's a really exciting thing. It's not just an excuse to get Slipknot outdoors. I am fully in on World Slipknot again. I want the full Not Effects experience. I want the museum. I want weird bands lower down the bill. I want to step into the mind of this band. And again, I've not felt like this about the world of Slipknot since Iowa was out yeah. because they, they feel, they've always felt relevant. They've always felt like one of the most important bands our world has ever produced, but they feel dangerous again. And that's really exciting. So to show a little bit about like how the sausage is made, we are three weeks to the day away from seeing we are 
Wrestling Indeed. Night on, on the on the WANIC cycle for the first time. And it's extremely exciting. We have tickets to Knotfest. We do. And I considered going on a fucking boat. That is the esteem in which I hold this new album. Yeah. I yeah. haven't got the money to go on the boat, but I had a look at it yeah. and thought, if that wasn't £4,000, I would consider it. But I am so... It's a weird thing to say, given what we're doing here, but I'm so into Slipknot right <laughs> yeah. now yeah. that, it, A, I can't stop listening to the new album. B, it's a doddle to do this podcast. Yeah. Because the challenge on our hands here is to listen to some Slipknot songs over and over again. Yeah. And it's a piece of piss. Because right now, I can't think of a band in the world that I like more at the moment. And, you know, we have bands closer to home that we're both very fond of, that we see live on the regular and we're kind of very much invested in. But the chief one of those is in between records at the moment. Yeah. So... Yeah. The floor is yours, Slipknot, until Palm Reader 4 makes its way yeah. into the world. And it's so much more than just the whole revisiting a first love type thing, isn't it? Because, you know, when the first two albums had hit and, you know, we would have been both, what, 15, 16, mm. you're into Slipknot for very, very different reasons. And I feel like our timelines have matched up really nicely and I can, I can really get where Slipknot are at. And even though they are, they are older than us, but like, yeah. I, I feel just as into Slipknot as I did in my late teens, but for very different reasons yeah. now. And they're just incredible. When we come to cover the songs off that record, <laughs> I don't know how we're going to keep those episodes down to less than an hour of just as being gibbering, drooling messes yeah. over them. But Yeah, so we're focusing elsewhere for now. So we, let's get into Everything Ends. Yes. Uh, and keep yeah. the season, season off properly. 2001, Iowa. Fifth track, sitting in between two rather more celebrated songs, I think. But maybe outside of the world of Slipknot hardcore fans, more celebrated songs, I think, before and after. Yeah. This song is appreciated in the world of the Slipknot aficionado. It feels like a moment live when you get it live. And it's one of those songs that just feels so much like concentrated Slipknot that it's difficult not to love it, isn't it? Trying to be as objective as I can on this and trying to think of this song in the position of their entire canon one could argue that this is a bit of a paint by numbers slipknot song in some ways a little bit of a middling slipknot song and yet it shows the quality of that band that actually it's still a terrific song they have undoubtedly i think written songs that are better than this yeah but there's still so much on the i mean it's a song on iowa so it sounds it's pure aggression into your ears and it's chaos and it's vibrancy and it's urgency. And it's got all those wonderful things of like the first proper guitar riff shouldn't work because it's too wobbly and jaunty and weird. It should not work at all. And yet it does. It's an interesting one because I think if they recorded it now, I'd be tempted to accept it as Slipknot by numbers a little bit because it is so Slipknot and they're very deep into their career and they know what they are and they know what they sound like and if they were to turn this out now you'd maybe question it slightly but then you listen to it if they put this out now you'd love it yeah and yeah. that's the, that's kind of why I've picked it I've, I've chosen it to be quite early in our overall run because I like it a lot and I, I think it's it's a song that Slipknot fans consider to be a big hit but it isn't known more widely so it maybe feels like it's ours a little bit as a non-single and I don't want to speak for every Slipknot fan, but I, I think a lot of um, Slipknot fans see this as a little bit underrated in terms of the wider public perception of what a great Slipknot set might look like, for example. I don't think anybody would ever be disappointed by hearing the start of this song while you're watching the band. I think it it's fitting that it's on Iowa because when you listen to it, 
and in particular Corey, the jump from the self-titled in terms of polish is huge because i can i can almost imagine to myself what the vocal might sound like on the self-titled record yeah it's very different yeah because there were songs on that where i think it's he hasn't found his voice to the extent they did on on iowa and it's just you know everything turned up to 10 go on this album and that is the only way this song would be able to breathe to its fullest extent i think there's far less trying to trying to dip into the more of the hip-hop side of what new metal had become when the self-title came out this and this it's just amped up aggression and yeah he just sounds on absolute fire like he does on the whole of iowa to be honest and i guess when you look at the background to the lyrics of this yeah you can understand why it's just, as you said it's just one of those songs that being really really harsh you could label it as basic slipknot but basic slipknot is still better than about 99 percent of all other bands yeah and it's basic slipknot being established in 2001 yeah at which point we didn't really know what basic slipknot was going to sound yeah. like so yeah, it still blew your fair. fucking head off it's a bit it's almost a bit sort of like surfacing for iowa really isn't it there's, yeah. there's a sort of there's a chorus there that works as a t-shirt and it's never really it's never been an official single but it's a bit of a moment live yeah. it sort of ticks those boxes and it's angry it is it's it's very aggressive it's very heavy it's thrashy which yeah. i like and it's for obvious reasons that we will get into pretty angry as well but it's got these massive slabs of groove yeah and i i Slipknot now would be a very different kettle of fish, I think, if they were to kind of arrive in the world in 2020. But the fact that they overlapped with new metal to the extent that they did in terms of timing means that they weren't afraid to bounce. And I think there is enough bounce in this song to make sure that it's not just blasted in your face the the entire time. Something that differentiates it, I think, this song in particular from the self-titled songs is... You can't imagine that opening line being uttered in a small room. No. This was Slipknot realising itself. Yeah. As big room band. That is a really good point. Yeah. You just wouldn't, it would just be weird. Yeah. But when it booms around those arenas, stadiums now. Yeah. Flawless. Yeah. It, it was made for who Slipknot had become in 2001. They wouldn't have got away with it two years earlier. Yeah. And for a band to be in that position on their second album... Yeah. It's just, uh, and for a band making the sort of music that Slipknot does to be in that position on their second album is just phenomenal. A just testament to what an incredible band they are. Yeah, 2001 was the time for them to be in the right place, I think, and it worked really well for them. But that they were able creatively to grasp the nettle in, in the way that they did speaks very well of them, but also of an industry that was able to put them on those stages, which it just wouldn't happen in the same way now. Housekeeping-wise, Ross Robinson producing... with band I think Iowa and it was more than just kind of Slipknot all grown up and filling those big boy boiler suits it was in the UK at least number one album and all that we've spoken about before a cultural moment to the extent where I wouldn't be walking around in Slipknot merchandise in 2001 because all of the people younger than me were doing it and I didn't want to look like them they were huge Mm. and that meant that what might be deep cuts for other bands, album tracks for other bands, for Slipknot, that's everything ends. And as you say, real moment life. Yeah. Goosebumps moment life, really. Not just because it's all going to go off, but because it has this kind of haunting introduction. Actually, rare in Slipknot's catalogue that it starts with A, a vocal, and B, the chorus. 
doesn't happen a lot. And I think that that is maybe the one thing that can set it apart because sonically it's Slipknot being heavy. Yeah. And it's also gives us the reason why Corey Taylor does not like maple syrup, which I found fascinating. Yes. Um, (laughs) Right. From that into the very serious subject matter of the the song itself, we always like to have a quick look at what things are about, if Mm. they are about anything. And there are one or two songs that we'll do in this season that probably aren't as rooted in and narrative as this song is. Lyrically, Slipknot can be up and down, I find. Yeah. I think if if it were all clean vocal and you could hear everything, some of it doesn't quite stack up. When they're raging, I'm into it. Mm. And when it's got the essence that Everything Ends has and the story behind it, it's very easy to be convinced by it lyrically as well as just in terms of overall atmosphere. So the Corey Taylor version of why this song exists is because it was the end of... Corey Taylor Mark 1 and the start of Corey Taylor Mark 2 because it's it's about what he described in one quote I saw as the last time he tried to commit suicide which is just fucking tragic yeah I saw that and was disturbed by it yeah but it was also and how old is he now it's also like 30 plus years ago because he was a teenager and the way he speaks about it as an adult is that was the last day of who I used to be and the first day of the life that I want to live now which is uplifting yeah so it's just weird kind of melding of total like gut-wrenching tragedy, even just as two blokes sitting in a room to hear of a guy who was 17 years old talk about the last time he attempted suicide. And yet the song is uplifting because actually it's a new beginning despite the name. So that rawness is very Iowa, very early Slipknot. It's a very cathartic song in a very cathartic album, I think. It's... It can be oversimplified in, in reviews, I think. It's a lot of people kind of... I saw it described as straight down the line metal. Definitely in a positive way. It was it was yeah. praised for that. And then you you think, yeah, okay, fair enough. And then you listen to the song again. It's not really straight metal, is it? <laughs> yeah. It's not more complicated than metal. It's not like it's m- more advanced or more progressive or more weird than metal. It's just, it's just a song that's relatively sort of straightforward. But sonically... It ain't Judas Priest. No. So it is still kind of its own sort of thing. It was described in a pre-Wanic retrospective by Loudwire as ranting. (laughs) It's been described by Metal Sucks in a pre-We Are Not Your Kind review as apocalyptic in tone. Yeah. Which? I suppose if if you are ending your previous life and starting a new one, that's... That's quite quite major. I can sort of I can sort of see where they're coming from. And it has that has that feel and various reviews could you know, it's catchy, loud and aggressive. Yeah, fair yep. enough. Encapsulates slipknot in a nutshell, absolutely what uh, we yep. what we've been speaking about. And it's as focused as it is brutal, and that's NME at the time. So I, I think that's what I really like about this song is that it's there's no fat, there's no fuss, it's just fire, it's just fury, and it's you wouldn't have the same slipknot if you had just a whole album of this stuff. Yeah. But it's so perfectly crafted and surrounded by other stuff. There's just like a bottle rocket going off in the middle of the record. And I love it for that. That's exactly what I want in the middle of the album. Yeah. And the fact that it's sort of been, as we were saying earlier, it's like hidden in plain sight for 19 years. And then you go in and actually listen to it. And it's a rager. Absolute rager. Uh, Again, if, if we're talking about paint by numbers slipknot, again, it just reinforces the point of... Yeah, it's paint by numbers, but it's paint by numbers of one of the best bands to ever do it. Yeah. I think there is an argument that it's just a Slipknot song. 
It's just that I love Slipknot songs yeah. and I have a particular taste for this one. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's difficult to criticise it, I think. I think also lyrically, it works, as I said earlier, it works as a catchphrase on a t-shirt. It's a cool lyric without knowing the story behind it. But then going into the story, into it, it's it not only has that catharsis for, for Corey, but it's it potentially empowers people who've gone through similar stuff and have, have had similar feelings themselves. And it becomes that uplifting song without without being elbow. It's Slipknot doing uplifting. So it mm-hmm. still rages. It's still absolutely obnoxious and pummeling and leery but it makes you feel good at the end of it. It does. And it's, it's relatable in a weird sort of way because it's obviously extreme because it's Slipknot and that's what it's, what it's going to be. The creative extremes are going to be there all, all the time. But it's relatable because in a certain sense, when you look into the story of, of the background of everything, it's the ultimate breakup yeah. song. You know, it came down to a girl. Yeah. Which is, again, really tragic. But the way it's been through the Slipknot filter, you know, it's not right on the nose. It's not completely clear that that's what it's about. It is a burst of rage. Mm. And the aggression of it, the confrontational nature of it, make it the way that this band expresses heartbreak, which is pretty sick, really. It's not right, is it? No. But what it gives you is a type of song that people like us are really going to get into from a just, oh, fuck, that's angry. Yeah. Perfect. However, having that kind of underlying authenticity to it I think really works as well yeah it's really important we should probably explain why I mentioned maple syrup really shouldn't we you should because I have not got a fucking clue what you're talking about right okay so within the background of this story I I found this quote Corey had talked about the fact this is about the last time he wanted to kill himself and apparently he was asked why did he want to kill himself and he said why does any 17 year old want to kill himself a chick of course I'm sure he wouldn't use the word chick in 2020 Mm. but talking about the fact that you know he, he was in a really terrible place when that happened and he he put 31 slashes on his arm and took a bottle of pills and his friend found him and took him to hospital he's still got the scars on his arm and here's where it comes around to the maple syrup they pumped his stomach which uh, in Corey's own words was a completely fucking horrific experience one i don't wish on anyone they make you drink this stuff which tastes like maple syrup which is why i can't eat pancakes for the rest of my life that induces you to vomit uncontrollably this stuff that makes it taste like maple syrup so yeah so if you ever get the opportunity to um have your stomach pumped well I was going to say uh, offer Corey Taylor pancakes with maple syrup on don't because he'll probably he'll probably politely turn you down now um, and if you want to know why go and listen to Everything Ends there you go just before we go into some of the live stuff it was described by Louder Sound as the musical equivalent of adrenaline feeling about that it's not bad no I think I think it's pretty good at that point in time I think there are potentially better examples of that feeling from the same band since then but yeah probably true right live versions there are some early slipknot songs make a good amount of live because they've obviously worked worked through lots of um live records and Mm. there's youtube and all that kind of stuff as well so the stuff that's dropped out of the regular cycle does still get an airing i've found through the various live versions that are just on discs now that this song has so little fat that it just sounds a bit quicker and a bit rougher in the main (laughs) Corey's pronunciation of the word motherfucker live Need some explanation. I demand an explanation, Corey Taylor, about why you say motherfucker alive. What is going on there? <laughs> Who knows? That's so strange. And he does it pretty consistently through some of these versions as well, particularly the one at, at uh, Madison Square Garden, which is on the um, All Hope Is Gone anniversary disc. Mm-hmm. The other thing I noticed from some of these is how prominent Sid is in the mix. Right up front. 
right from the start of the song. More Sid. To be honest, I think that is a pretty good description of Slipknot Live. Yeah. Because I think I, you could listen to a bulk of Slipknot's recorded material and not necessarily think that... You'd notice the DJ, but you wouldn't necessarily think that the DJ was an integral part of the mm. band all the time. But when you go and see him live, apart from the fact he dances around like a loon all the time, you do really get that flavour of what he's doing and it really does fill out the sound so much more. Likewise with the percussion, I never really got quite how percussive they were yeah. until I saw them live. But yeah, it's a great shout on Sid because it's songs like this that you could... you would listen to the recorded version go okay if they play this live this will be where he's just two-stepping on the, <laughs> at the back of stage and leaping off things because he's got fuck all to do here and yeah. it's not the case no, it's busy on this yeah, yeah busy on this it comes through i think all of the the various kind of recorded live versions of it it's just more everything ends yeah it's more everything harder faster just goes and i think that's a really sort of positive experience to have to have life there's a, a on on um one of the live albums is a, a House of Blues version mm. where the intro section is a bit slower and a bit more sinister. And I think that works really well as mm. well because that mood is something that Slipknot have become really good at in the years since Iowa. But you still have Corey spitting fire. Yeah. And when he is on it live and he sounds good and the recording of his voice is good, there's nothing like it. And that, that midsection as well, it's quite it's quite of its time, the breakdown and the, the groove and the, the bounce to it. But there ain't a better band to do that and still make it sound cutting edge now than Slipknot. And it just, now, if, if this had been on their more recent work, there'd have been a, a weird guitar solo there. Mm. And I think that would actually lessen what the song is because I think I think that bounce in the middle and just bringing in a big riff that has loads of percussion around it just feels like explosions going off and off and off and then drawing you back to that final chorus you know music of the turn of the century was often criticized for the lack of guitar solo but it's mm. songs like this that show that you don't need one all the time the middle of this song is exceptional and it you don't get to the end of that song oh it would be better if it had a guitar solo in it wouldn't you, you just no. want riffs you just want riffs and aggro and as we've been saying it's everything about slipknot you you get the weird big riff of a start that as i say shouldn't fit but is bound by Joey's sort of catchphrase, too many snare hits than you would <laughs> think possible, and yet it all works. You've got the aggro through the verses, you've got the massive chorus, and then you've got all this tribal stuff going on in the middle, and still brings you back with some bounce and everything else to, to the final mm. final run through. Shout out to the, the download version from oh, 11 years ago now, which has these odd little guitar squeals in it, which I really love. And... Just to round off before we, we go into one more thing that I want to ask you about. Acknowledged by a lot of people as a, a real Paul Gray song as well. So it's, it is a strong bass player performance. I don't know that people outside the Slipknot world would listen to this song and think, oh, nice bass performance. So it's quite, it was just rumbling there in the background as he did. You know? yeah. He was just brilliant. And this is a brilliant performance, but I, I don't know that he kind of outshines the thrashy chug of the guitars on this song and, and, and the vocal in particular and Joey as per. Meth Witch, Dave. Meth Witch. Meth Witch. Meth Witch. Does that mean anything to you? Is it meant to mean something to me? No. Good, because it doesn't. It's a cover of this song by a band called Meth Witch. Okay. Or rather, a one-man project from Albuquerque called Meth Witch. Right, okay. Um, nobody needed it. Because in my notes, I couldn't find any covers. I've got a suggestion for what would be a banging cover, but we'll get to that. I looked hard. And it's all right. It's kind of a doomy deathcore version. It's okay, but nobody needs it. Because 
there's not a lot you can add or take away. As you said, even like a Jim Root guitar solo wouldn't be right here. No. So you can't add anything particularly. You can't take anything away because nope. it's just pure Slipknot aggression. So a cover of this is an odd thing to maybe not to think about but certainly to bother doing is an unusual life choice and it's okay it's not brilliant it's got some nice screams on it it's pretty weird do you want to know my suggestion of course so taking the assumption that this band would do this totally in their style and not not be one of these covers that is just an ode to the original this is this band taking it and doing it with their own spit and their own swagger and their own bounce stray from the path Uh uh-huh you just start. I'm joining. It starts as soon as you start imagining it, and and, and if that if you take that weird jaunty riff at the start and give it the stray from the path stomp, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, yeah. I think the elongated first note of the um, my flaws verse. Mm-hmm. I can hear that. Yeah, that'd be quite cool. I mean, I, I I would like to hear them covering lots of things. So yeah, I'm in. Right. No more covers, no more live versions. No remixes as far as I could tell. No. No video either. No video, not a single, just one of those. It's just for us, Dave. It is. Just for us. Right. We are ranking or attempting to rank every Slipknot song. And we're doing that by giving it a score each out of nine because Slipknot. Yes. And adding the two together. Would you like a rundown from season one? I would. Do you want the scores or do you just want the ranking? Let's give the scores. So this is our combined score out of nine. So currently top of our list <laughs> is Vermilion Part 2 with 15 out of a possible 18. Followed then by Snuff with 14 and a half. Then Tide, our Heretic Anthem and Kill Pop on 14. Then we have Purity on 13 and a half. And currently bottom in sixth position is The Devil in Eye with 12. <laughs> bottom. <laughs> yeah ridiculous band ridiculous right so where are we going to go with this one then let's have your score out of nine so my score out of nine based on rankings of what we've already done i've given it six out of nine because i like it less than heretic anthem which i gave six and a half and i prefer it to devil and i which i think i gave five and a half so it was quite an easy ranking for me actually and i'm confident that there are that gives way way loads of headroom for the other songs i know i like better than this yeah but still, I really like this song. I've given up. We spoke before we started recording that I'm taking a slightly less scientific approach to this. So I'm just sitting down and saying, okay, what do I give this song out of nine? Also a six. Okay. So we are in the same conclusion, despite very different methods of getting there. So it's joint bottom with Devil and I. <laughs> it's the joint worst Slipknot song. <laughs> I'm starting to see the problem with this podcast. <laughs> they have very, very few bad songs, don't they? Yeah. Very few. Yeah, it's going to be tough. <laughs> it is. Right. So will we get better or worse next time around? So we'll uh, be back with our next episode and leave it there for Everything Ends. This is You Can't Kill Me, produced by This Decay. Goodbye. <laughs>